Jay from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerd, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out over Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren! Hey, John. John, what day is it today? I have no idea. Time has no meaning anymore. Oh my god, it's all, it's like a one big time loop. I, I have it's no idea. Better. I don't know what time it is, I don't know what day it is, what month, year, week, it's just, it's just a day. Good God. It is. It is just a day. And now Saturday Night Live's not here to, anymore to, to for, for me to know what day it is. So, like, I don't, I, I just don't know. Do I have to, like, chop down a tree and cut the ra- count the rings to know what day it is? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really our only method of timekeeping anymore. Uh, chopping the day open and counting up the rings. That's right. So, yeah. So, I guess I'm going to have to go to Home Depot and get me a, an axe or a... Like a get you one of the age up and axes, sure. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah, because I'll be like, hey, I gotta know what day it is, so I gotta chop down this tree. That's that's if you, that's the only way I know to do it. If you, if you know any other, nope. if anybody knows any other way, please let, let us know. Nope, nope. I checked your numbers and uh, the science checks out. Right, fair nope. enough. But anyway, while we're muddling through, we thought since uh, season forty-five of SNL just wrapped up, we would do another. Season and review show! Yay! Hooray! Hooray for this! Hooray! Yay! And this is just going through the highs and the lows of the season, talking about the notable things that happened and the sketches and the musical guests we particularly liked. And what a season it's been. My, I mean, my lord. We've had musical guests and celebrity cameos, uh, at-home episodes, uh, um... Eddie Murphy returning to host. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Good. I, I, mean, I never thought that would huge. happen. That's that huge. I, even though that is a thing that has happened months ago at this point, I still have a bit of trouble believing that it actually happened. Yeah, like I, uh, I mean, as most people know, like I think for a while Eddie Murphy wasn't coming back because of the whole David Spade dust up from years ago, and I don't yeah. know. It just, it just seemed like. Star. Yeah, oh boy, that was, who oh boy, yikes. <laughs> I'm yeah. tugging up my call right now for those that can't see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just seemed like he'd kind of outgrown the show and it was just over it. Like he was a bigger star than the show. But, and I was very, I was prepared to be like, all right, he's, I guess he's just never coming back. That's it. But, you know, yeah. lo and behold, we have an episode with Eddie Murphy and all his hit characters. It's, uh, it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah, yeah, that was something else. Um, let's see, there was also a little bit of turnover in the cast. Um, before the top of the season, Leslie Jones announced that she was not coming back. Um, after she was on the show for almost five full seasons, apparently, because she joined the cast one month into season 40, according yeah. to Wikipedia. Here. Yeah, it is our first uh, season without Leslie Jones. And um, I don't know, so far, it's, so far it's so good. I think it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was all right. Uh, honestly, I, I can't really say that I missed her. Uh, she, she had grown on me by the end. And I think the show finally, it took a long time, but I think the show learned how to use her well. And I, I think she grew into the role a little bit, but yeah, I can't really say I miss her. Yeah. I was trying to be all nice about it in PC, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I thought that the season, I don't want to say was stronger without her, but I mean, with the new cast members they got, it definitely, 
breathed a new life into it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's always the nice thing about the show is that, yeah, when you bring new cast members, then they do bring new life into the show because it's like, oh, hey, look at this cool new person and all the cool things that they can do. And and hopefully it's not, oh, God, this new person's really annoying. Yeah. Um, and one of, the new, well, none of, one of the new people we got, we got our first Asian cast member. This season mm-hmm. on the show, uh, Mr. Bo Yang, who's been a writer for SNL for a while, and now he got to step onto the spotlight. And uh, I, I would say this season was, was a pretty strong season for him. Like, he got a, a good amount of screen time, and um, mm-hmm. he sort of he was able to sort of establish himself and what he can do early on. I mean, um, there was a Soul Cycle sketches, and he was on Weekend Update quite a bit with his characters. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the world had got to know Mr. Bo Yang this season definitely yeah yeah uh we have a nice sense of his personality and yeah i thought it was a strong first season for him and i look forward to seeing more of him he's he's a kick yeah absolutely and i also thought the season was very strong for uh, chloe Feynman too like uh mm-hmm. i mean one thing I mean, one thing we've talked about is how like the newer cast members don't get too much you know airtime they don't get too much time to shine which and that's a change i think is like kind of come about this this uh, season, I think maybe maybe the people in SNL have heard us, and like all the new cast members have gotten good chunky meaty moments to really showcase what they can do. I mean, Ego's gotten a good amount of screen time, Bowen and Chloe too. Like you know, she's had a few weekend update, um, you know, desk, uh, you know, desk segments, and um, especially and definitely with the uh, at home. Uh, episodes where mm-hmm. she's done like all her um, all her characters and all her impressions, like like she's really kind of stepped out in the spotlight this season. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, strong uh, first season for her too. She got to show off a lot of her uh, versatility, and um, it's yeah, it, it's nice to for for new cast members to have a, a first season where they're not just playing waiters in sketches or something like that, or just right. setting up. The, the established cast members. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that was fun. I mean, maybe it's just because things move at a faster pace now and we're, we're throwing them into the deep end more. Um, yeah, but, but it's, it's a nice change. It's fun to see. Uh, we also had uh, Ego Nwadam uh, continue on as a featured player after uh, she debuted back in season 43, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she was still good. I think she had a she had a pretty good year. I think she's pretty well established. Maybe not as well established as Chloe or Bowen, but but she's doing all right. Yeah, no, she's doing good. She's getting a, a good amount of her own sketches out there, and um, I mean, she's had again, she's had a few like weekend a weekend update segments of her own to really showcase mm-hmm. what she can do. Like she's like it's. I mean, it really is interesting because like that, like I said, like that one you know, criticism most people have about SNL is like, oh, they never get the new people, you know, enough screen time. And it's, you know, like I said it before, it seems like they're really giving the new people a chance to really show what they can do. And it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's see, we also had uh, Heidi Gardner and Chris Redd, who were both uh, repertory or featured players. Uh, they were both bumped up to regular cast members. Yeah, absolutely, and well deserved. I mean, Heidi and Chris. I mean, we, I've talked, I've sung their praises on this podcast many a time, and I don't know, like both of those 
both of those um, cast members, they really feel like they've they got the vibe and the feel of the show down packed. They really just were able to like kind of work their way into it, and they just they kind of feel like they've been there for a, for like a while, like longer than they have been. Yeah, it seems uh, actually they both go back a little further than I realized. Uh, they were both originally hired in 2017 at the start of season 43, and I was thinking this was like their their second year, but uh, no, this apparently was the end of their third season. So yeah, kudos to both of them. Yeah, I mean they both work really well with the the other cast members, and like they're both like when they're both on in a sketch, they really they really kind of know how to you know, sort of pop and show what they can do. Especially, like, Heidi, definitely. Like, whenever mm-hmm. she's, you know, the focus of a sketch, you really kind of pay attention to what she's doing, like, her character work and, like, you know, the way she's interacting with the other, you know, people in the sketch. And, I don't know, Chris Red too. Chris Red really, I really enjoy them, enjoy him as a performer. Like, the way, like, he has this thing he, where he does where his eyes get really wide, like, mm-hmm. for comedic effect. And it's like, I don't know why, it, it makes me laugh and it makes me smile. And like, I don't know, I just, I'm looking forward to, to more and more years with both of those uh, players. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was also, there was also going to be another cast member who was originally scheduled to be added at the beginning of this season, of season 45, who never ended up on the show, uh, Mr. Shane Gillis, which was, we, we talked about this briefly before we started recording, and... That was like this big brouhaha for like three weeks. And then who remembers that now? Yeah. I mean, definitely if you were in the comedy community, like we are, we're, uh, we're big time players in the comedy world. We're, oh, we're, sure. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of a big deal. We, we're uh, movers and makers. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but yeah, that whole Shane Gillis thing was a big deal. For a while, like, you know, he said these, you know, inappropriate comments on his podcast and they cost him his job in SNL. And it was a big deal for a while. And uh, unfortunately, it kind of took away the shine that, you know, Bowen Yang was getting for being the first Asian cast member. And like now that's all kind of gone away. It's just uh, been swept under the rug. Yeah. I mean, you you asked me before we started recording. It was like, oh, do we want to talk about this? And I was like, is there anything new to say? Because... I mean, it's not like there have been any new developments in that story. It's like, he's still not on the show. So, Breaking news, he's still not on the show. Yeah, and I have no idea how he's his stand-up career is doing or anything like that. I, I looked at a little of his stand-up online, and I just I didn't find him terribly funny. He wasn't really my cup of tea. So, Yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody's stand-up career right now is kind of at a standstill. Well, yeah, of course, that's a given. I'm, I'm talking about when the controversy broke. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's he was still getting booked in places, you know, like, uh, you know, for all the people that, like, are saying are anti-Shane, there's people that are, like, pro-Shane that are, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you can say whatever you want, Second Amendment, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, places, like, he was still getting booked in, you know, Jersey and upstate New York and Long Island and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, I doubt he's hurting, and, and it gives him... Hell, that gives him, like, a little cachet. He could be, like, the guy who was too dangerous for Saturday Night Live. He was too real, man. Too raw. They couldn't handle him. But, I mean, honestly, I don't think I even remember the specific things that he said. I mean, that's that's just how my brain works. I just tend to forget about that stuff that doesn't matter too much. So Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody remembers. They just know he said something bad. 
and mm. he he's a bad person, and that's all. Like, if you ask somebody what he said, I don't think they could tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know he used some sort of uh, slur, and I, th- I think it was like a, a slur against Asian people, which, because I, I think that kind of tied in with the Bo and Yang thing, which is, it's just unfortunate because, you know, that automatically puts Bo and Yang on the spot. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a brouhaha. Like, I think a lot of people thought that they would address it on the show. They really, they kind of did, but not really. But, like, I don't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too, like, you know, memorable. Like, they didn't have, like, some big, you know, clap back, as the kids say. So. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, should we... I thought we do kind of something similar to what we did last year in our review show, where we talked about our favorite musical performances and our favorite uh, sketches of the year. And this is just going to be kind of of a freeform discussion. We'll go back and forth. Uh, But before we do that, I thought we could run through all the hosts and musical guests that the show had. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, I got a list up here. I'm just I'm just going to read that. Uh, we had the season premiere with Woody Harrelson and Billie Eilish. Uh, then it was Phoebe Waller Bridge from uh, Fleabag and Taylor Swift as a musical guest. Uh, October 12th, David Harbour and Camila Cabello. Uh, October 26th, Chance the Rapper was both host and musical guest. November 2nd, Kristen Stewart and Coldplay. November 16th, Harry Styles, host and musical guest. November 23rd, Will Ferrell and King Princess. December 7th, Jennifer Lopez and DaBaby. December 14th, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Niall Horan. Am I pronouncing that right? I don't even remember how to pronounce that person's name. Yeah, yeah, it's Niall Horan. He was was in that uh, boy band that I can't remember right now. Okay. Uh, obviously made a big impression on me. Yes. Uh, December 21st, Eddie Murphy and Lizzo. Uh, January 25th, Adam Driver and Halsey. February 1st, JJ Watt and Luke Combs. Uh, February 8th, RuPaul and Justin Bieber. That might be the weirdest combo that we had. Yeah, that was, that was a weird one. That's that's kind of out of left field there, but that's that's appealing just because it's so out there. Um, February 29th, John Mulaney and David Byrne. Uh, March 7th, Daniel Craig and The Weeknd. And then after that, uh, we had the whole coronavirus thing hit, and we had uh, three at-home episodes. Uh, April 11th, we had there was Tom Hanks uh, doing a host segment, and uh, we had... Um, Chris Martin from Coldplay, uh, April 25th. It was the second at home. Let's see. Uh, they didn't have anybody introduce that, but... Um, well, no, they had Brad Pitt for the second. Oh, yeah, they had Brad Pitt at the beginning. You're right, you're right. It's it's tough to remember because the host didn't really interact. And then we had Miley Cyrus sing a song. And then uh, the season finale was the third at home episode, May 9th, that had uh, Kristen Wiig introducing the show and who was the musical guest on that one? I'm drawing a uh, blank. Voice Man with a baby face on guitar. That's right. Okay, that's right. They did the Mother's Day number. So that was the season. Um, they cut it a little short. They only had 18 episodes total. But uh, still, jam-packed with stuff. Yeah. Like, as you were reading it, 
like a lot of a lot of, a lot of memories came flooding back. I was like, oh yeah, Woody Harrelson hosted. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, like it was like because just because we talk about so many episodes, it's hard to keep track of everything. But then once you go down memory lane, you're like, oh yeah, huh? That was the yeah. Thing. They- they do all kind of blend together for me a little bit. I had to go back and refresh my memory on the sketches. Are, th- are there any shows that leap out to you like, oh, that was absolutely my favorite of the season? Uh, you mean like the whole episode, like a full episode? A whole episode, the whole enchilada. As far as full episodes go, uh, I would say the Scarlett Johansson episode mm-hmm. I, thought was, I thought was very strong. Uh, the Eddie Murphy episode, of course, it's Eddie Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put the Adam Driver episode just because that cold open that I was not expecting that. What was the cold open? I'm drawing a blank uh, there. Alan Dershowitz meets uh, Jeffrey Epstein in Hell. Oh right, yes, I remember that. Okay, I mean, like that was like I that's that shocked me just because I don't remember. It's been a while since SNL has gotten that dark with their humor. That was that was almost Michael O'Donoghue level of dark. Like, and for that to be the first sketch of the night, uh, yeah. that was that, that, that threw me for a loop. Yeah, yeah, that was that was something else. I'd kind of forgotten that, but uh, yeah, that was something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know this is like an unpopular opinion, just because like from what I've seen online, people weren't crazy about it. But I thought the Will Ferrell episode was pretty strong. There was like a there was a about three or four sketches that I really liked, but like I know people were kind of indifferent on it, or were just kind of were like whatever with it. But I don't know. There, there were a bunch of sketches in that episode that I really dug. Yeah, I, I remember liking that one. Um, there are only a few uh, of those sketches that I remember offhand, but I do remember having a good feeling about the Will Ferrell show overall. Yeah, like I mean, on that episode, there was the uh, the first Thanksgiving. With, where mm-hmm. the Native Americans and uh, had yeah. Arm, Armisen and uh, Maya Rudolph in it, which I liked. Um, the pizza ad where they were in Bertucci's, they were doing a commercial for uh, the Italian restaurant. Um, the Wizard of Oz sketch I thought was funny. The uh, the, ventri- the ventriloquist sketch, which was the final sketch, which I got a kick out of. And the, uh, the party song, which was like a pre-tape. Do you remember that one? I don't think so. It was the one where um, it was a pre-tape, and it had Cecily and Mikey as two teenage kids having a party at their house when their parents are are gone, and so then it's like all their friends having a party and hanging out. They're singing a song about having a party, and then their um, Will Ferrell plays the AP English teacher who's at the party, and they're like, "Why is yes, yes, yes? Okay, I remember that now." Yeah, and but like and they're singing about it, but like the teacher's there and. Like, it's weird that he's there. And, but he's not there being creepy or, like, trying to creep on, you know, young girls mm-hmm. or anything like that. He's actually, he's actually having, like, a midlife crisis meltdown. He's, like, staring at the mirror into him, looking at himself, thinking, what have I become? What's happened yeah, in my life type yeah. of thing? Yeah, you get a, you get a weird peak uh, in his life. And, yeah, I really, I really like that one. That was a good one that I'd kind of forgotten about. Yeah, and also this episode had the uh, – that – 12-minute democratic debate, which was funny, but also crazy long. So, I mean, depending on how you feel about that one. Yeah, I mean, all the all the democratic debate sketches, they really just all kind of blend together in one big blur for me. I mean, we had a ton of celebrity cameos 
uh, coming in with various people playing candidates. Willie Harrelson came back a few times to play Joe Biden uh, before we brought back Jason Sudeikis as Biden. And they're they're really going to have to figure out a, a Joe Biden going forward if the show comes back. Well, when the show comes back in the fall, um, yeah. since is the presumptive Democratic uh, nominee. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe they'll just rotate Bidens like they've been doing. Like they have Mulaney and Harrelson and Sudeikis, and just they'll just have like a maybe they'll just have different people playing Biden and won't even comment on it. Uh, I don't know. I think that would get old fast. I think I think you really need one consistent impression for to to center your take on on Biden around. I mean, especially if he ends up winning the election, um, mm. you you really need a regular doing that so going forward i mean because we we had we had the stunt casting of alec baldwin as donald trump and much to everyone's surprise uh trump ends up winning and so alec baldwin <laughs> ends up stuck playing trump for the next four years oh uh, yeah even alec was like oh no oh no yeah and he's like what really if- i still gotta do this thing really okay all right yeah fine. Uh, but and I mean, I, it, seemed, it seemed like this might be the last time because on the last episode he said, "For the last time, this is." I mean, I, I, I still, I don't know. I still don't know if he was officially saying, "Yeah, I'm done with this," or this is the last time for now. Or I, I'm, I am sure that is just a last time for the season. I, I. Uh... Because he's he's made rumblings about oh yeah I'm done playing him and then he keeps coming back I mean it's yeah so I, I don't take him saying that he's done especially seriously anymore keeps coming back for more yeah yeah I mean he's it's very Al Pacino in The Godfather Part Three you know just when I think I'm out they pull me back in wow so, yeah so, all right so that's. Uh, as far as uh, full episodes go, which ones uh, did you like? Uh, let's see. I I remember liking the, the Scarlett Johansson one a fair amount because I think she's a solid host. Like you, I like the Will Ferrell one a lot. I always love it when John Mulaney hosts. Um, I thought that the Eddie Murphy episode, it was kind of more an event, but I didn't think it was necessarily like the strongest episode they did of the year. It was it was really fun to see him revisit a lot of his characters, but it wasn't necessarily the strongest writing wise. So, so I was I was a little mixed on the Eddie Murphy episode, I think, but but it was fun to see. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. I, I can see that. Like, I'll I'll fully admit that like a good portion of me enjoying the Eddie Murphy episode was just like nostalgia of seeing my one of my favorite comedians do his thing again. Like when he oh. did when he did like the Gumby thing and like yeah. he was still hitting those beats and like like you know the little the boy the child in me was like all happy like the teenage Darren was like there he is he's he still got it he can still do it hooray right I mean oh absolutely I mean a nostalgia trip was like half the point of that episode and it was a nostalgia trip both for Eddie Murphy and the audience I think because I'm sure he had a lot of fun revisiting those old characters and the audience especially was ecstatic to see that him reprise those characters so that was that's fun even if the sketches just as sketches weren't all-time greats um i think they did a few clever things like uh putting uh, buckwheat on the mass singer i thought that was a neat twist 
and uh, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood and where the neighborhood's been gentrified. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like little things like that. Um, yeah, it, it, like they, but they also did like when Velvet Jones was on Black Jeopardy, which was like so-so. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, still, it's, it's Eddie Murphy. Still, you, you got to love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they did a decent job of marrying the stuff from Eddie's day with what the show is now, which, and especially when you consider that Lauren wasn't running the show when Eddie Murphy was on it. So yeah, that's, that's true. kind of an interesting task. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's very true. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about musical guests. Um, let, let me, let me throw this question out to you, Darren. Uh, who was your favorite musical guest of the year and why was it David Byrne? <laughs> bravo sir bravo i <laughs> i'm just putting it out there man i mean david byrne in my mind he so eclipsed every other musical guest that we had for the year uh that was just an utterly amazing performance i thought co-sign i will co yeah, yeah like, it's not even like it, we're not, it's not just like our opinion; it's a fact. He, David Byrne was better than everybody else. I figured you would go along with that, which is why I phrased the question that way. Um, yeah, I mean, David Byrne was just spectacular. Apparently, the clips of his performance on SNL have been taken down off of YouTube, so you can't really uh, revisit them. Uh, I, I don't know if that's like a legal thing because of his his Broadway show is going to be coming back, but uh, it's it's too bad because it, it was a wonderful performance. It really just blew me away. Yeah, guys, check it out on the dark web. Apparently, I guess I guess you got to go there to to find out. Uh, but were there any other musical performances that really stood out for you over the course of the season? Um, I would say the Nile Nile Horan Nile mm-hmm. Horan who was in One Direction. I just looked up. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I got a kick out of that because I, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't expect anything from him. But, like, I looked at his performance and he was like, oh, he's, he, could, he could do a little, he could sing pretty well. He's got a little groove in his in his moves. So I, I dug that one. Um, the Billie Eilish one I dug, too. I mean, basically, basically because of, you know, that her performance was, like, her in that sort of rotating room type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, technically, though, it was impressive. Um, yeah, they did. A lot of uh, high production musical numbers, especially early in the season, um, they, they got really technically ambitious with a lot of this season, which was impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was also the Justin Bieber one where it was like him kind of dancing behind like a blue screen or something like that. Uh-huh. Like they were definitely doing more and more. They're kind of like pushing the boundaries of like you know, of musical performance and stuff. The Halsey episode, um, mm-hmm. like her performance was you know, tech, technically ambitious. But then, then they did, like, a lot more simpler, stripped-down stuff, like the um, like Luke Combs on the J.J. Watt mm-hmm. episode and whatnot. So, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting uh, season, music-wise. Another uh, musical performance I was really impressed by was when Chris Martin, on the first uh, SNL at Home episode, where he just sang uh, Shelter from the Storm. I, I thought that was a really nice performance. Uh, just... Low key, stripped down, acoustic, uh, but it but it really spoke to me. That was that was really good, and I think that was one of the highlights for me musically. Yeah, I think that's something uh, I heard on another SNL podcast uh, the other day where uh, they were talking about how with the SNL at homes, uh, all mm-hmm. the musical performances were people or musicians doing old songs because I guess because with all this you know the 
the virus, like people are looking for, I guess, comfort and, you know, they're looking for more of a reassuring feel. So they just kind of dip back into the older songs. Like it was Chris Martin singing an old Bob Dylan song, right. Miley Cyrus singing an old uh, Pink Floyd song. Floyd. Yeah, yeah. And Boys to Men singing one of their old songs for Mother's Day. So I thought that was like, oh, that's, that was an interesting thread. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but uh, you're absolutely right. Or I, I guess I should say that other uh, SNL podcast is is absolutely right. But I reset it, so we're right. Yeah, <laughs> but we agreed with it, and we co-opted that observation now. So, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, which SNL podcast was that? Do you remember? Do you want to give oh, them a plug? Yeah, sure. Uh, SNL after party. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, I do our friends at the SNL after party. Uh, I did not hear that. That's nothing personal in that. It's just because I'm horribly behind in most every podcast I listen to. So uh, nothing personal. I'm sure you're still doing great, though. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so music, I mean, as far as musical performances go, yeah, it's, I mean, it's David Byrne. I mean, the, the man's a pro. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this forever. Like, he he knows how to, like, energize the crowd, and he knows how to like, kind of really make everybody feel the music. I mean, he's... He's const- he's doing more movement on that stage than musicians half his age were doing. Like I've seen, like yeah, and it's just it was just cool to see him in just like a gray suit, uh, barefoot, and all his backup uh, singers and dancers were had the same look, and it was just it was just very cool and just such a high energy performance, and it was fun to hear him revisit those old Talking Heads songs. Uh, it, it was just great. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I mean, we we went on and on on that episode, and we're gonna go on and on on this episode because he was fantastic. But uh, okay, so that's that's the musical guest. So why don't we why don't we get into the meat of the show? Well, let's let's talk about our favorite sketches of the year. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, all right. Well, do you want to start? Uh, yeah. I mean, should I start with one of the big ones, or should I lead up to it? You think? Whatever you feel in your heart, Darren. Ha! All right. Um, let's start. All right, let's start with one of the. Let's start with one of the big ones. I mean, let's we, do we, it. We, you got to talk about it. I got to talk about it. Grouch. I think we got to talk about what? Grouch. Yes, that was a strong sketch. That was a Sesame Street parody from the David Harbor show. Uh, that was basically just parroting the the Joker movie, which had. I think just come out. It was probably out less than a month when that show hit. Yeah, that's about right. But it was just around the time it just came out. But yeah, I mean, just, I mean, my God, that might be the sketch of the season, I would say. Yeah, that one, I mean, that one went viral and it was, uh, it was really cool because it was neat. You, you got to see dark spins on all the Sesame Street characters and, uh, yeah, that was something else. And production-wise, it was amazing. They really did a nice job of duplicating the look of the Joker movie and getting that 70s New York gritty feel. Yeah, and uh, I think there was like also some uh, YouTube videos on it about like the whole production of it, like where they shot what. And uh, I think I think David Harbour said he kind of came up with the idea for it, and then he wrote it with uh, Streeter and Mikey, I believe. Uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of my favorite sketches from this year were written or at least co-written by Streeter Seidel. I really think he is the one to watch on the writing staff. And if if I were running the show, I would I would make Streeter the head writer in a in a heartbeat. 
I'll agree with that. Like, uh, yeah, everything I've seen that I really liked or like that struck, you know, struck my eye. It was it's a streeter joint. So I was like, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's the one to beat. Since we're singing uh, Streeter, Seidel, and Mikey Day's praises as writers right now, I'll nominate one from the Phoebe Waller Bridge episode. Uh, this is a favorite of both of ours. This is uh, the War in Words, uh, William and Lydia, with uh, with a soldier writing home uh, from the the front and finding out that his wife is up to all sorts of bizarre things in his absence. Yeah, it's uh, this is a great sketch. I mean, like they've done this before with other um, with other uh, hosts. It's usually like a British uh, woman, you know, hosting. Yeah. They always get like, oh, she has an accent. Let's get her in the sketch. <laughs> and there's something about putting a British woman in the sketch that just makes it work beautifully. Uh, I just maybe it's just the contrast between the the highfalutin British accent and and all the bizarre stuff that they're up to. But uh, yeah, it, it works really well. Yeah, and just Mikey Day, he's always he plays a really good straight man. Like he's like yeah. he, he he really he knows how he knows his lane. He's good at playing the guy who is. You know, just like the straight guy, the straight man, rather, and he, like, he's just reacting to all this insanity around him the way we, the audience, would. He's just like, oh, well, yeah. why do you have a picture with you and Abraham Lincoln, like, or something like that? He's he's just good at that. Yeah, I think I've said this before in another episode, but yeah, Mikey Day plays incredulous really, really well. So that makes him a very valuable straight man. And he's just like, wait, what? why is this going on? Why are you doing... Uh? <laughs> and yeah, I, I really like Mikey Day. He's one of my favorites in the current cast. He's, he's a solid guy. Like I know, like I said, like we've said before, we've, we were jokingly on some old episodes, you know, con- mixing Alex Moffat with Mikey Day. But definitely at this point, they've... The two actors have separated themselves, and they can sh- they they show like they're different guys, and they have their different strengths, and like you know they're, they're I don't know I, I I sing their praises three three cheers yeah. to them yeah they have successfully divided like an amoeba, and they are now two distinct organisms so yeah. <laughs> yes my praise from yes us. Um, uh, what do you got next Darren what's what's your next on your favorite list. All right, well, I mean, if we're going to stay with the Phoebe Waller-Bridge episode, I, I say we go to Midday News. Yes, I was uh, re-watching that one uh, just when you called to start recording to refresh my memory of that because it was very early in the beginning of the season. That was a very funny sketch and, and edgier than the usual SNL sketch, I find. Yeah, I believe that was written, I think that was written by Che and Ego, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. it definitely... If I'm not, if I'm mistaken, you know, just somebody correct me. But uh, I I love that sketch because it's like a it's a sketch like you said it is edgier. It feels like something that would have been on Chappelle Show or maybe even in Living Color. And it's like a yeah. it's a sketch about race, but it's not a racist sketch, which I thought it's, was interesting. I, it's a midday news team and they're reporting on various stories and it's it's some sort of crime uh, that's happening. And it evolves into there. There are there are two white anchors and there are two black anchors. Uh, the t- the two white anchors are Phoebe Waller Bridge and Alex Moffat, and the two black anchors are Keenan and Ego. And uh, as it goes on, like the the race that you expect the suspect to be is not the race that the person actually is. If that makes sense, uh, right? Yeah. No. It, go ahead. Well, no, like I love the way the sketch starts off where. It's just, you know, 
the the four news anchors at the desk just saying the news as normal, and it was just like very straightforward until I believe it's Alex Moffat says talks about this crime that happened, and then he said that the suspect was white, and then Ego next to him he says, "Oh, thank God!" and he high, she high fives Keenan, and like right. that, that's all this commented, but you know why she did that, like if it's, right. it's like very I mean, this is a good thing for us because that just plays into all these negative stereotypes and we don't need that. Um, exactly. How about and, yeah, and then, and then it's like a story about somebody who robbed a Cracker Barrel and they're like, oh, well, that guy's gotta be white. And yeah. And yeah. yeah, but and then becomes, as, it, yeah, as it, it becomes more and more of a competition and like as they get more and more excited about it, I found I found myself getting more and more excited about it too. Like I was getting into, I was like, I was rallying. I was like twirling a twirling a towel around my head. I was like, let's do this, let's go. It, it became it. It almost had like a horse race aspect to it. It was it was fun. It really just pulled you in. Yeah, very much so. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely one of my favorite sketches. Uh, Midday news was just uh, you know just a uh, thumbs up for me. That was that was a strong one. I, I totally co-sign on that one. Uh, let's see. My next uh, sketch would be uh, from the Chance the Rapper uh, show, the Tasty Toaster Tarts. Do you recall this one? Dude, not only do I recall it, but I this was definitely one of my favorite sketches of the season. I love this sketch so much. Yeah, this was. Uh, um, it's sort of like if you've seen one of the Sunny D. Uh, Sunny Delight commercials where all the kids and they're all high energy and they're like, hey, let's go in and get some snacks. And uh, Chance the Rapper's character, he's he's pulling out all these snacks and he's got all this junk food. And it just slowly emerges that he very likely killed his parents. Because <laughs> like he yeah, because he's saying all these you know snack names and like i mean kudos to the writers to come back for all those snack names like you know oh we got you know we got bubble tarts and wingo dingoes and cherry cherry choppers and and flippity doos and then the kids are like wow you got a lot of snacks in here i thought your parents were like super strict and he was like yeah they were but not anymore <laughs> yeah. and and it just this sketch just builds beautifully and everybody just plays it wonderfully i mean uh, Chance Rapper is just wonderfully oblivious. He has no idea that he's letting this on at all, and everyone else is just a little like, "Oh, we got to get out of here." Um, it's just really yeah, funny. like, yeah like, kids just, look around, yeah, like the kids look around the house and they see there's like a stack of unopened mail, and there's like a yeah. red stain on the carpet that they tried to scrub out. Right, right. Uh, just, just such wonderful specific detail. In this one, I'm not sure who who wrote this one. Uh, unfortunately, YouTube. I don't. When SNL posts their sketches on YouTube, I don't think they usually credit the writers, and I wish they did because uh, I'd love to know a little more of who wrote which sketch. We really only find out when somebody, when one of the writers or performance tweets about like, "Hey, this sketch was written by such and so." So uh, yeah, kudos for wrote the tasty toaster tarts. Absolutely. Uh, I'll see if I can find out who did it. Um, okay. But, uh, I mean, until that, like, um, but yeah, one of my favorite sketches of the season. And uh, since yeah. we're staying on the theme of food, I want to give a shout out or a head nod to a sketch I wasn't crazy about when I first saw it, but like the uh -huh. more I think about it, the more I kind of like it. It's like it's grown okay. on me. And that's the Sarah Lee sketch from the uh, Harry Styles episode. Okay. Okay. I was thinking it was either going to be the Sarah Lee 
sketch or the lunch run sketch because those are both food related. Uh, um, yeah, those the- are both on the list. Uh, Sara Lee, that was really fun. Great showcase for Bo and Yang. Um, <laughs> do you want to describe that one? Uh, yeah, so it's basically um, it's uh, Bo and Yang and Cecily Strong. They work at Sara Lee and they call in Harry Styles, who handles the uh, Instagram account for Sara Lee because they've been some uh, disturbing things that have been tweeted under the Sarah Lee name. Like, uh, whoever, you know, he's been running the you know, Instagram account, and he's been, like, tweeting at people like Nick Jonas, saying, you know, destroy me, king, and wreck me, daddy. <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> and, like, he's been tweeting at, like, Instagram people saying, oh, uh, you know, well, I need a real king that can handle, must get rid of toxic and community. And, like, yeah. I think they're like the first time I heard, I saw the sketch. I was like, "Are these phrases real?" Like I was kind of befuddled by it. But like mm-hmm. now, but like now, like I do find myself now saying, "You know, must get rid of toxic and community." Like way more than I thought I would. It is. It is a great all-purpose phrase, and I I want to thank uh, Bo and Yang for giving that to us. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, need a real king that can handle. Yeah, uh, that was very funny. And there was also a very funny uh, thing on, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or Instagram at this point, but uh, like Sarah Lee, since they're a real company, they kind of like backed away from this sketch because it was, it's a pretty edgy sketch. And I love that they had the guts to use a a real brand name in it. It made it all the funnier. And Bowen Yang just tweeted, he was like, oh, too bad, Sarah Lee. You guys could have been the snack cake for for gay people. Um, not say gay people. He said another word that I, as a heterosexual man, cannot say. But Way to censor yourself, my friend. But it was it was very, very funny. Yeah, why do people always get weird when I ask them to spit in my mouth? <laughs> and he, you know, he was like, and he's using a silly Instagram account. He's like, oh, you know, I had a threesome last night, but I still feel hollow. I mean, yeah, he's, like, he's using a silly account for, as his diary. Just like, just... <laughs> He's so sad. No, and I I loved it. This is one of those sketches that airs just very late at night, not because it's not funny, but just because it's it's edgier than the typical SNL sketch. So I really like that one. Um, I'd also like to give another shout out to uh, another one from the Harry Styles episode, the Lunch Run episode, where Harry Styles is this young intern in a company, and he goes off to get... uh, he, he wants to get a bunch of the Popeye's fried chicken sandwiches that were the all the rage a few months ago. Yes, I remember that. And like I think that's one of those things, like, unless you're in the, I guess, maybe tri-state area or in the know, like, you you know the Popeye's chickens were uh, quite the rage a few years ago. It was, like, people were, like, people were, like, killing each other just to get them. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was just one of those things. It was, like, um... Like, do you, do you remember when when the uh, the cronut was a big thing? When that was the, like the big trendy food, it was it was kind of like that. Somehow people just fixated on the Popeyes fried chicken sandwiches, and I guess they were new. I I still haven't had one. Have you had one of those? Uh, I had. They're I have. Like they're way easier to get now. You don't have to like you know, you know, you don't have to like you know sacrifice anybody <laughs> in order to get the sandwich. They're very good. They're very good. I'll say oh, that. Okay, I should I should try one. I don't have a Popeyes all that near to me, but I should make a special trip and go out to Popeyes and order a, a 
fried chicken sandwich in my in my whitest Harry Styles voice. <laughs> Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, the, here's one I'd like to give a shout out to. I, I'm not sure which episode this was in. Uh, do you remember That's the Game? Yes, that's the Harry Styles episode. Harry's, that was a stronger show than I, I realized. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Out to Harry Styles. That's a game. Good showcase for Chris Red. He's he's like trying to take over this drug dealer's crew, but it quickly becomes apparent that he's really remarkably stu- stupid and he hasn't thought this out at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was going to mention the sketch too. I thought it was because like I went back to revisit it. I liked it the first time, but then I went back and I was like, oh, wow. I, no, I really liked it just because, I mean, for one thing, like um, it's Chris Red and... You know, he's talking to Keenan Thompson, and you know, Keenan is the drug kingpin, and Chris Red is trying to do like a you know stage of coup, trying to overthrow him. And yeah. I like, I, I thought it was interesting because usually when you have Keenan in a sketch, he's usually like the goofy one, like the funny one, like you know, yeah. the one looks for the camera. In this one, he plays it very straight. He's like the serious one. He's like very, mm-hmm. you know, he's like very serious and very, like, you know, he's like low key. And like Chris Red is the silly one, like upping the comedy. So, yeah. like, just to see Keenan in a in a sort of a, a different light like that was like I thought it was really interesting. Keenan, uh, I think he can play a really good straight man, and I I'd like to see him do it more often. I think when he's playing like the quote unquote funny one in a sketch, he has a tendency to get very hammy at times, very broad, um, which which sometimes is good, but I'm not always the biggest fan of. But I really like how he underplays it when he's a straight man. Yeah, I think I remember from his old days with Keenan and Kel. Like Kel was the big wacky one, and he was like the more, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the Oliver Hardy, the serious one of the group. So yeah, like, so yeah. like I, I guess he can turn that back on and be the more serious one if need be. But it just seems like SNL likes likes that for him to ham it up more. But I would like to see him be more serious. Yeah, and often, I mean, that's being a good straight man is a tough thing to do because you have to have like great timing and you have to know how to set somebody up. Well, it's not as easy as it looks. The really great uh, straight men in in a comedy sketch make it look easy, but it is not the easiest thing. And uh, also, just a shout out to Chris Red because Chris Red plays stupid so damn well. <laughs> He's good. Like again, that he he does a lot of acting with his eyes too. Like he gets yeah. that wide eyes stare. Like nah, homie. Like I, I don't know. Like. Again, like, I mean, I know I talked about it earlier in the podcast, but I really like Chris Red and, like, I really like what he's doing comedically. Yeah, yeah. His, he can just make his face go blank where you just, like, look into his eyes and there is, like, no one at home. Uh, he's really good at playing dumb people. Uh, that's, that's a strength of his. And I, I look forward to seeing more of what Chris Red does. On yeah. The like, if you want to see more of that, I would highly recommend everybody watch uh, Pop Star, the Lonely Island movie. Like, he, he's in that. He has a good role in it. And, if you like that kind of big, wide-eyed, no-one's-quite-home kind of you know comedy that he does, he does a lot of that in Popstar. Well, I'm sure we're going to tackle that movie at some point over the summer. So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to checking that out. I mean, I, I love the Lonely Island guys, and and you, you've been talking up Popstar to me for months. So, looking yeah. forward to checking that out, finally. It's legit. Uh, you, got a, you got another sketch for us, Darren? I do. I'm going to say one that I'm pretty sure is on your list. Okay, if, go for if it. If I may, if I might. Uh, yes. 
That's I'm gonna say I'm gonna let's talk about the uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus from the Scarlett Johansson episode. Yes, that was that was really good, and that and you were right. That was on my list. That is on my list. Ah, uh, chip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this I I didn't I haven't rewatched this one in a little while, but I'm I'm due to rewatch this one because it's it's wonderfully twisted. I mean, I think a big common denominator in all these sketches that we like are are there sketches where we didn't necessarily see the turn coming and. When you don't see the turn coming, it hits you all the harder. Right, absolutely. Uh, so for those who don't know, it's basically uh, it's like a pre-tape where uh, Cecily Strong sings I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, and they have Scarlett Johansson kissing Santa Claus. Uh, it's done in the style of, I'm not sure, what's, what's the singer I'm thinking about who sang that song originally? I have no idea who sang this song originally. Um, I can try looking it up, though. Okay, Why but you it, continue describing the sketch? But it has that '60s style to it, that you know, fun, light Christmas '60s style to it. And as the song goes on, we know, we see that uh, you know the dad is actually watching mommy kiss Santa Claus, and that that's like their thing. You know, they're into this kinky yeah. role play, and then the song goes on about what you know the daughter who saw all this go down kind of reflects, like, well, what was it? What did it say about me that I actually? kind of stared at all this happening and was kind of yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she sort of ultimately concludes like, oh, I guess we all have our thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just the, the contrast, the juxtaposition between the the, the sort of uh, wholesome white bread 1950s vibe of the song with all this twisted sexual shit going on underneath it. Um, it it's just hilarious. Um, I looked it up. The I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. It is uh, written by British songwriter Tommy Connor and first recorded by Jimmy Boyd in 1952. It's been covered by many artists, with the most famous cover being attributed to the Jackson Five. Oh, all right. So I guess they're, they're, I was thinking maybe like Dusty Springfield did it or something. I don't know. I was, I was going we got a whole list. We got the Ronettes, uh, Bobby Sherman, uh, the Four Seasons, Jackson Five, Reba McIntyre. Amy Winehouse, John Mellencamp, I remember that version, uh, Tiny Tim, The Cheetah Girls, uh, Biff Naked, Jessica Simpson. Biff Naked? Yeah. And uh, wow. Twisted Sister recorded their own variation of the song onto their album, A Twisted Christmas. So, wide variety of musical artists. You don't say. Yeah. All right. That's, that's good to know. All right, yeah. uh, so well, uh, that was cool. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus segment. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, so so what's you? What what's, uh, what uh, sketch you have? What's up next on your? Uh, okay, let's see. Let's see what's next. What's what's cracking? What's what's shaking? Um, let's see. Um, I'll give a shout out to this one. Um, because I just saw it rerun last night on the first uh, SNL at home episode. And it's an animated segment, uh, Middle-Aged Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I like it. I really dug this one. This was uh, uh, like fully animated. It's in the style of the classic 1980s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. But the, the, the gag is that they're all like in their 40s and some of their lives aren't going so hot there. Yeah. They're depressed, or they're out of work, or they're getting divorced, or 
Yeah, it was it was too real. Yeah, it was it's it spoke to me as a dude in my forties. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh like oh this is this is hitting close to the bone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, very funny, and uh, the animation was impressive. I don't know how long it took them to put this together, but uh, really funny. I think it took them like a week because, like, I remember when we talked about this. Like, I thought it was a sketch that they just had lying around that was already done, and they just yeah. were able to put it on after the pan, you know, because the pandemic and you know, we can't make anything new. But apparently, yeah. somebody they tweeted out saying, "Oh no, we created this like." Within the week that we had, we were in quarantine, and that that surprised me. And that is unbelievable. Like, I'm I'm not an animator, but I've had some training in animation, and I know enough to know that's a massive amount of work. Even if it's even if you're doing it in like something like flash animation, which I don't know if this was all hand drawn. If this was all hand drawn, oh God bless them. Um, yeah, utterly they were, amazing. Utterly yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing feat. They were they were able to pull it off and pump it out. Yeah. Yeah, so good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. All uh, right, uh, got another one? Yeah, yeah, uh, well, going back to the Scarlett Johansson episode, uh, I got to go with uh, the Macy's uh, children's clothes commercial sketch. Oh, yes, okay, I had that on my list. Um, I, yeah, I didn't rewatch this one, so it's not real fresh in my mind, so if you want to describe it, go right ahead. Uh, yeah, so basically it's um, it starts off as a – like a regular Macy's commercial for about, you know, Christmas is here, here's, you know, we have sweaters half off for, for women and, you know, pullovers half off for the men. And it, it looks exactly like a Macy's commercial. Like if you just saw that, you just, you would think it was a Macy's commercial, but then they go into, Oh, and we have clothes for the kids too. And then they kind of go off in this direction about how, you know, difficult it is to dress up kids and like, you know, the, they pee their rompers because the the mom didn't, you know, hadn't had enough time to take it mm-hmm. off, and like how difficult it is to put on kids' shoes, and you know, if you buy a, fr- a frozen T-shirt with the wrong character, they'll be upset, and it, it just goes off into this direction of like all the kind of trials and tribulations that parents go through when it comes to dressing their kids for Christmas. Yeah, this a sketch like this is fun because you know that just so much of it likely arose out of the, the writer's lives and their writers, their, their adventures as, or misadventures as parents. Um, and it's one of those things that I look at and I'm just like, I'm not a parent and thank God I'm not a parent. I could, I cannot yeah, take no, that. Absolutely. I don't think I had that um, in me, man. Like, uh, and also you, you'll probably see it in the episode two, where also in the commercial, you see like for the first time, Mikey Day's son is in that uh, commercial. Oh, his his debut as an SNL cast member. Yeah, yeah. Like he's putting a when uh, Mikey Day's putting a sweater over his son, saying, "Oh, stop squirming! It would be on if you just stop squirming." And that's his son. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That that is cool. Shout out to Mikey Day's son. Yay! Yay! Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, I'm gonna leap ahead to the John Mulaney episode. This was like. I think the first sketch after the monologue, which was the Sound and Music uh, parody with Rolf and Liesel, where they're doing the famous song uh, 16 Going on 17. Mm. And, and John Mulaney's Rolf tells Cecily Strong's Liesel, well, actually, I'm 37. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> and it turns out he is a much older man who is who is dating the a seventeen year old Liesel, and his his age just keeps inching up as the sketch goes on. I I really enjoyed this one, uh, partly yeah. because my family used to rewatch the Sound of Music whenever it was on TV once a year. Ah, so this one hit you in, in the feels, as the kids say. It, it did. It was a nice little nostalgia trip for it, and uh, yeah, and and they and also technically very impressive. They got the look of the movie right down. They they did the music well. Um, it, it's it's just great. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have John Mulaney on your show, you're gonna get some sketches about musicals. It's just gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, he's. <laughs> that's one of the fun things about John Mulaney is he's now hosted three times, and we have we have certain expectations of things that he is going to do. Yeah, just like oh, all right, I'm gonna hear, I'm gonna get some uh, Les Mis or Cats or whatever musical from Broadway into this episode. All right, I'm in for it. Yeah, yeah. and and there are enough other musical theater geeks. On the show, like I know, I know Cicely Strong is obviously a musical theater geek, and like a, a, a few others, I think, uh, like Kate and Eddie probably are, maybe not to the degree that Cecily is, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun to see them go to that well because you can you can really feel their enthusiasm for it come through. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, mm-hmm. theater kids. So, got something else for us? Sure, sure. Uh, well, let's go. I'll give a nod to this one. Um, I'll admit this wasn't one of my favorite episodes of the season, the Jennifer Lopez. I thought it was a pretty weak yeah. uh, episode. But this one sketch, uh, Potty PM, the pre-tape, I thought was pretty was pretty hilarious. Refresh my memory on this one because I I think I've forgotten a lot of the Jennifer Lopez one. Okay. Uh, well, this one is a Kyle Mooney joint where it's, um, he talks about how like, you know, when you're in bed and you're sleeping, but you have to wake up to pee and you have to go all the mm-hmm. way over to the bathroom to use the bathroom, it's it's such an inconvenience. So you the, he invents a thing called potty PM where you hook up like uh, this tube to your, your junk and then put the hose to the toilet and then you can just pee while you're sleeping. And then it's just... What's that? It's the perfect system. Perfect system. And then, like, Jennifer Lopez comes in the frame saying, oh, and you have, you know, potty PM for women, too, right? Because, you know, women have to use the bathroom at night, too. And then Kyle has this, like, befuddled look on his face. Like, oh, yeah, um, you know, like, how he like he doesn't know how a woman's body works in order to pee. He's like, oh, yeah, you sure. Like, sure. Yeah, like, oh, you pee through, like, your like urethra or your clitoris, clitoris or something? <laughs> yeah, he has just no understanding of how that works. <laughs> Yeah, like through the urethra and uh, the fallopian tubes, or no, it says Filipino tubes. Like, it, it's like I just, just because I didn't expect the commercial to take that turn, uh-huh. I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Like, and I mean, I'm not a huge Kyle Mooney fan, but like, I that I will I will give it to do. Like, that was a pretty funny sketch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Kyle Mooney is on his game, when he when he hits, he hits hard. You know, and uh, he seems to do strong sketches when it's stuff about bathroom stuff. I, I still have fond memories of that. The thing where like to keep yourself from going to the bathroom in the office all the time, you had like these potted plants that were actually a pots you could <laughs> drop a deuce in. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God. 
<laughs> and then somebody starts complaining about the smell and and uh, yeah, and it was playing the guy in that. And I think that was a Beck and Kyle joint. And uh, wow, <laughs> that's just like, whoa, where does that come from? <laughs> I don't know. He's just he's he just thinks different. Yeah, yeah, he's he's an offbeat lad. That Kyle Mooney. Uh, yeah, so do you, do you have any more? What do you, what do you got? What do you got? Let's see. Um, I think I have to give a special shout out to uh, another expected John Mulaney, uh, rec- almost a recurring sketch, but sort of a stylistic recurring sketch, Airport Sushi, which is uh, ah. following in the of Diner Lobster, which was co-written by uh, Kyle Moody and Colin Jost, which is just... I mean, these sketches just have to be seen to be believed. I mean, if I if I just described all the ins and outs of it, it would sound like I was just tripping. Um, <laughs> John, have you, are you on psychedelics right now? But, but, I mean, it's basically like somebody going to a place and getting some sort of sketchy food item, and then it turns into this big production number. Um, and this one even had a cameo by David Byrne and a cameo by a flying Jake Gyllenhaal, and yeah, already it sounds like I'm tripping. Yeah, <laughs> but but these are always fun just because of how weird and out there they get. Yeah, they get weird and out there, and also very specifically New York, too. Because yes, like, you know, I mean, because he, I mean, even though Mulaney's originally from Chicago, he is very. I mean, he's just kind of ingratiated himself into the New York culture, and like yeah. so, like the first one was about New York diners, and then it was New York bodegas, and then. Now New York airports. It's just very, like I don't know. He, he hits on the very specific things that only people in the tri-state area would pick up on. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I, I really don't have a perspective on how these sketches would play in Middle America. Do I mean like with the airport sushi? Do people travel enough to to get that? I mean, because sushi's not necessarily popular in other parts of the U.S. So. I don't know. I don't know. Are they just befuddled by this, or do they get into it? I don't know. Yeah, it's just like sushi. What's that? Yeah, is that like beef jerky or something? <laughs> yes, it is like beef jerky. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, um. Yeah. I guess I'll uh, say one more. I guess. Yeah. There's a, okay. there's, a, there's a couple like I'll. Uh. Yeah. You know, I, I like could give it a little nod to, but nothing really. I want to get too much into. Um, but, um, bu- 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 let's talk, well, we, we never talked about the, about the Woody Harrelson episode, like, um, I talked about the apple picking ad I thought was really good, too, from that episode. Apple picking ad. Uh, this is, this has been far enough in the past that I think my brain has uh, erased that, so refresh my memory on the apple picking ad. Uh, well, yeah, it was the first episode of the season, and, um, it was a commercial for a place that does apple picking in upstate New York, the part of upstate New York that still has Confederate flags. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's an 80 and Kate joint where it's like the two of them play sisters. And it's just them talking about, you know, their apple picking farm where for only $40, you can walk away with $10 worth of apples. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember this one. Yeah, I remember thinking this one was cute. Yeah, yeah. It's kinda, it was kind of done in the vein of... Um, you know, like like when Kate and Eddie get together, it's always like them selling, like either like you know their apple picking or the supermarket from the at home a couple of weeks ago, or or whiskers uh, are we, whiskers are we, or uh, the choir clothing. Um, 
uh, commercial they did for the Chance to Rapper episode. It's just like kind of them ripping off each other, riffing off each other, and having a good time. And yeah. I really, I really dug this one. Yeah, they they do enjoy uh, doing stuff together like that, and that's it's always a kick to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was all. What? I'll, I'll qualify that slightly. It's usually a kick to see that. <laughs> there have been a few times they've done it; it hasn't quite worked for me. But it's usually a kick to see that. Right. I mean, I know we've we've talked about like usually when Kate and Eddie get together, it's, it can either be you know amusing and fun, or it can be. Like all right, like just or it could just be like the them just amusing themselves, which has happened on a on a few occasions. But this was one of the occasions where I dug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I will also. I, I think I'm about done with my favorites of the year. But I, I want to give a special shout out to a new sort of semi recurring bit on the show is uh, Cecily Strong just playing with dogs. Yes, dog court. We saw the debut of dog court. Dog dog court. Good Lord. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and we also had the Hero Dog press conference, uh, which both of those sketches, they're basically just built around uh, Cecily Strong interacting with dogs. And I am here for it. Um, two things I love. I love I love uh, seeing Cecily Strong in comedy sketches and I love seeing doggies in comedy sketches. And usually something unexpected happens. So that's right. Two great tastes that taste great. Yep. So that's. If if we just did an entire show of like the best of Cecily Strong playing with dogs, I would watch that show and be very entertained. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll give like a quick shout out to you know Soul Cycle sketches. Just like uh, mm-hmm. I got I got a kick out of that. Um, do you remember the giant Cheeto sketch from that Woody Harrelson episode? Yes, I do. I do remember that. That's one of the more memorable sketches from the uh, season premiere. Yeah, that still struck like. I, I, I want I rewatch it again and like I think I think you know like the Sara Lee is starting to grow on me a little bit more than it is when I first saw it. Um, I mean, we, there was also the inside the Beltway sketch where the costume designer came out there while on camera, which was a memorable moment. Uh, yeah, you know, I notice in the favorites that we picked, I don't think we've really outside of the 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 middle aged mutant ninja turtle thing. We didn't really pick much of anything that came from the at home episodes, and there there were some things that we were amused by. I mean, I have I have the the Pornhub commercial and Let Kids Drink, and another Masterclass Quarantine Edition in that. But I think the the SNL at home episodes they were kind of more exceptions to the rule. They aren't what the show classically is, you know. Yeah, no, I I noticed that when I made my list too. Like. Uh... I mean, I enjoy the at-homes, but I don't know. There's something with a, a live audience being there. That, that it gives it that extra kick, that certain yeah. electricity that you really can't get from at-home. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, it's a cliche, but yeah, the the cliche is true. They, they really do feed off the audience energy. And uh, so the SNL at-home episodes, I think you just, as I said, you have to grade them on a curve a little bit. I mean, they're doing the best they can with, limited resources and i hope that we get through all this uh quickly enough that they don't have to do any more of those when they come back in the fall or you know who knows maybe we'll see a delayed uh premiere maybe they won't come back until after their usual september premiere day oh boy i I don't even want to think about it like i just i'm still hoping all against all hope things will go back to semi-normal or some new normal oh yeah I mean, me too, but uh, yeah, who knows? Who I 
have no prediction. I have no insight. I <laughs> what do you know, John? Yeah, we're we're all just muddling through and and trying to take things day by day. But uh, I hope they can get back to something approaching normal soon. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's that's our favorite sketches. I mean, I think overall it was it was a pretty good year. Yeah, like um, you know, highs, lows. Um, yeah, so far, I mean, like uh, I think. Uh, this season, in this season, like they're kind of going in, you know, a good direction. I think, uh, I think last time or last season when we talked about it, we we kind of wanted them to like sort of debut more of the uh, the newer cast members, uh, mm-hmm. trim down the cast because I think we felt the cast was you know a little bloated and and oversized. Um, I still sort of feel that way, but I think now that they're kind of utilize they're utilizing their newer people more and they're giving everybody a chance to kind of do what they do. Like the size of the cast really doesn't, I guess, you know, it's not as apparent to me, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they could still stand to pare down the, the cast a little bit. I don't know if there's anyone in particular I'm especially rooting to leave and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if anyone does, leave between now and next season uh i hope i really hope that everybody sticks around if for no other reason that like if if like an at home episode if that turned out to be like say keenan's last episode that would be that would be a kind of a sucky way to end it you know yeah i mean keenan's not going yeah keenan's not going anyway he's 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 there i i really feel keenan's like is gonna We'll have to pry that show from his cold, dead hands. Like I really think like, he's just going to be there. He's going to ride it till the wheels fall right off. It seems like it. It seems like it. Um, let's see. I also want to uh, uh, report on a couple things. I had some fun on the uh, on the Twitter account, the SNL Nerds Show Twitter account this week, and I put up a few polls. Um, when I when I re-listened to our season forty four interview show in preparation for this one, just to remember what we did format wise. Um, I, we went off on a tangent about the, the Wikipedia pictures or the pictures that are on the various cast members, Wikipedia pages. And I discovered when I was looking them up over the course of the show, that many of the SNL cast members don't have the most flattering pictures on their Wikipedia pages. They do not. I mean, some of these pictures are just abysmal. So I, I decided to just download them all and, create a thread on our Twitter account and, and let the people decide. Um, and, and some of them have very flattering uh, pictures on their Wikipedia pages. Some of them do not. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, and let's, uh, it looks like people's favorites uh, were, were, were Beck Bennett. Um, Beck had a, had a very, has very nice flattering uh, profile picture from Wikipedia. It's, it was taken at the San Diego comic-con a few years back. Uh, Colin has a pretty decent one. It's, it's very close up, but, uh, I'd say it's generally a flattering picture of him. Uh, let's see. Um, Kyle, he also has a San Diego Comic-Con picture, uh, when he was doing some panel there and Keenan, Keenan has, Keenan looks like freaking James Bond on his picture. Oh, he, is. <laughs> he is styling and profiling. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could slap that on a GQ cover story, and I mean, Ke- that's that, that might be the best I've ever seen Keenan look. He's just like, he's looking suave. Yeah. He, oh, he had that picture ready for for Wikipedia. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see. Uh, Chloe got a lot of votes, but I I think that's a little disordered because she uh, she was up against uh, uh, Melissa Villasenor, who does not have a, a real flattering uh, Wikipedia picture. I'm I'm sorry to say. Yeah, no, it's it's rough. It's rough. Yeah, it was it was just taken like I think backstage at a comedy show, and it it looks like a, a bad driver's license photo, and and Melissa's a much better looking person than that. So indeed. Um, uh, but I think, I think the worst has to be um, it, 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 I think the worst has to go to Mikey day because it's just this blurry camera phone picture of him in the middle of a stand-up show. And it's, you can oh, hardly tell. yeah, that's a bad one. Like that's a bad one. Uh, Alex Moffat. He's also performing stand-up in his, it's not a bad photo, but he looks kind of deranged because it's just him in mid sentence, and he's got like kind of bug eye thing happening. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> say he looks like cocaine fueled, but it looks cocaine fueled. Way to not say that he looks cocaine fueled. Yeah, yeah. um, he, he's a little deranged. He looks he looks like he's like stayed up all night, and he looks a little disheveled. Yeah, and uh, oof. And and Cicely Strong, uh, it's from I, if I remember correctly, the Peabody Awards. But it's not a flattering picture just because they caught her like in mid blink, and I, I'm I'm just at a loss why anybody would look at that picture and be like, yes, this is the one that should be on her Wikipedia page. Yeah, they got. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so guys, um, got go go change that immediately on your on your page. Oh, and the, the Pete Davidson picture is really bizarre. Yeah, he's he is squinting in and half, half squinting, half blinking. Not a flattering picture of him. No, so I mean, yeah. So guys, I don't know who you got to talk to, Mister Wikipedia, I guess. But like, I would, I would have, I would send a high res professional picture to the the Wikipedia folks uh, stat. Yeah, I mean, I I know with Wikipedia, I think a lot of it is it's like they have to have rights to use that photo. So maybe like some of the high grade professional photos, they wouldn't have. They would have to pay to use those, and it has to be something that's either a private user uploads or or something in the public domain. But uh, yeah, we can do better than this for a lot of the SNL cast members. Hey, oh, I'm looking at the Mikey Day. Wow, this is terrible. Like, ooh, this it's is, awful, right? It's like a bar show picture. It's I know it's low light. It's blurry. It's a full figure shot for no real reason. It's just weird. This was definitely taken with an iPhone. This is really bad. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know they didn't have their flash on, so it's crappy because of that. Um, oh God. Yeah. I also uh, back on May the tenth. I put up a uh, what I thought might be a fun poll: uh, which SNL cast member grew the best quarantine beard because. Uh, a couple of them grew their beards out in isolation. And we had uh, 28 votes in that. I put it between uh, Beck Bennett and Keenan Thompson. I unfortunately totally forgot that uh, Kyle also grew a, co- a quarantine beard. Uh, so I left him out of the poll, stupidly. But uh, Beck Bennett just squeaked ahead of Keenan with 53.6% of the vote. And oh, uh, Keenan was 46.4. And... Uh, I gotta say, I, I agree with these uh, results. I think uh, the beard is very flattering on Beck. Fine, fine, beautiful beard. Yes, yes, and uh, 
I'm sure that Lauren prefers the male cast members to stay clean shaven just because it makes it easier for them to play a variety of people. But uh, I think the beard is very flattering. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Beck, you know, I mean, I know I, I said on an earlier episode, you look like a puffy Tony Stark, but I would say, you know, keep the keep the beard, man. You look great. Wow. Wow. OK, here we are being complimentary and then you got to bring the puffy Tony Stark I, thing into it. I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, Beck, I just want to clarify that that Darren's uh, uh, statement does not reflect the uh, does not necessarily reflect the opinion of the SNL nerds show or the non-productive network. Right. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll fine. I'll, so I'm out here all alone on my my brave stance. I am hanging you out to dry, my friend. Uh, but uh, we, I got a little other news too. We've gotten we gotten another review. On uh, on Apple Podcasts. Hey now, let's. All right, so I have not read this. So uh, have not read this. I just I literally just discovered this before we started recording. So I have read this, but that uh, Darren is going to be hearing it for the very first time. Uh, let me just say uh, to start out, it is uh, a four star review from Slacker Inc. Um, and the headline is a personal favorite with dot dot dot. Um, so here's what Slacker Inc. has to say. I do really like this podcast and look forward to it after every episode of SNL. Thank you very much. Um, I can't in good conscience give it five stars, however, because one of the ho- the two hosts, well, let's just say a little bit of him goes a long way. And then it's a uh, sort of like gritted teeth, smiley face, I think. Um, and then in parentheses, I won't say which is which because I'm not mean, and hopefully they are both glass half full guys and will quietly assume that the demerit is for the other guy. (laughs) Um, And then they say, uh, overall, though, as a duo, they are still pretty darn good. Okay. (laughs) Um, I find this really amusing. Um, uh, I, I will say that my self-esteem is low enough that I read this and I do immediately assume you're talking about me as the one that you do not like. Um, yes, and I'm delusional enough to believe that he's talking about you as well. <laughs> okay, so we both agree that uh, Slacker Inc. dislikes me. So uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my takeaway. Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, so what, what do you think of that, Darren? I don't know. That's going to keep me up tonight. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I will. I will say that a lot of the the critical things that have been said on the podcast uh, about the podcast in in our reviews they have stuck with me, and I could probably quote most of them back. Oh dear. Oh, John. <laughs> oh man. You got to get out that apartment, man. I uh, yeah. I I'm sensitive, people. Yeah. So um. Yeah, I, w- I wonder how they like this episode. I wonder if there was uh, too much of the one they don't like on this, or I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah. thanks for that four star rating. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that you know that's decent. It didn't really affect our uh, overall rating. We're still at four and a half stars out of five, so that ain't too bad. Yeah, yeah, not, not too bad. We'll, we'll take it. And, uh, yeah, that's. That's all right. You know, it's it's certainly less hurtful than the person who said we didn't deserve mouths. You know what? That's right. you. You are the glass half full guy. How about that? Like, yeah. No, no. I, I'm a glass half empty guy because I remember that months after it was written about us. Oh, that's. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> but this was better than 
that so I yeah. don't know, man. <laughs> it's I mean, it's not the most critical thing that has been said about us. I will say that. Well, it's not the first, and it won't be the last. It won't be. I'm sure there are even more hurtful things coming in our future. So, yeah, come at us, bros. <laughs> well, don't come at us that hard. Well, uh, as yeah. I said, we're. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we also got some uh, tweets for about the when I put up that we were talking about season forty-five. If you were oh yeah, lay, lay them up. All right, uh, Ruby the Rube, friend of the show, says, uh, aside from the at-home episodes, what about this season do you think will be remembered down the line? And uh, number two, she says, where should SNL go from here in season 46? What should they focus on next year, and what should they not focus on? Um, do you want to tackle that, or should I? Um, well, I'll just say real quick, yeah, I mean... This season will it'll definitely be remembered for the at home episodes because like that's never been done. Um, mm -hmm. But I would also like it to be remembered for the f the first hiring of an Asian cast member. Yeah, I think that is a definite uh, milestone that should be noted. I think the Eddie Murphy show is is also definitely going to be remembered, or I mean, it should be at the very least because that that was an event, a genuine event. I agree. Um, I should have said the Eddie Murphy episode too. Yeah. So I, I think those are the top three. First, Asian-American cast member, Eddie Murphy returning after how long? Like 30 years? 30 something? Yeah, it's been decades. Yeah. And uh, and the SNL at home episode. So I think, yeah, pretty notable season. They made some history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as far as um, what they should do in season 46, I think they're already kind of doing it. Um, like they're putting new cast members out you know, out in the spotlight, they're taking, I've noticed they've kind of been taking more chances with their sketches. Like they're beginning more weirder, weirder stuff like the mm -hmm. Kyle Mooney stuff and like, you know, AD Bryant and, uh, Oh, one sketch that we didn't talk about that hot tub Christmas time sketch. Whereas like, which was really weird. <laughs> yeah. That's the one where like, uh, Cecily strong and Scarlett Johansson, they turn out to be ghosts. Yeah, like dead strippers who are in a hot tub at the Hilton and they have a song to sing about how they died. Like, I mean, weird sketches like that are kind of hit and miss with me, but like, I do appreciate, I still do appreciate the fact that they're able to get that weird and take those big swings. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, as always, I think, uh, the emphasis should just be on trying to be as funny and as unexpected as you possibly can. Uh, I think it might be time to shake up weekend update again, just because we've had uh, like five or six years of, of Colin Jost with uh, Michael Che. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing just a different dynamic in there. It's hmm, fair enough. I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, well, when Ruby posted this question, uh, Dennis Wilson responded saying, oh, they should shrink the cast, do more pre-tapes, and have comedians and various acts like in the old days with Penn and Teller. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I'm not against shrinking the cast. I, I do tend to like the SNL cast to be like lean and mean, like under a dozen people. I, I, I mean, I, I just think back to the original cast where you had like literally like seven or eight people and that was great. And then when I first started watching the show on a regular basis, the, the, the Dana Carvey, John Lovitz cast, I think there were only 
I think a max of nine in that cast before they added uh, Mike Myers. So mm. I really enjoy it when it's like a, a smaller group of really versatile people. Um, and uh, what was what was the other question? I'm blanking on that, and I don't have uh, the question up. Oh well, no, yeah, they- I see it. Okay, uh, do more pre. Uh, I'm I'm fine with the amount of pre tapes that they have. Yeah, because I mean, it's Saturday Night Live. It's a live show. That yeah. that live energy is what makes the show different than any other sketch show or anything else out there. So if you have more yeah, pre tapes, exactly. yeah, yes. I I think they can. They do have a habit of leaning on the pre tapes a little more than I would like. Um, you know, one a show is plenty for the pre tapes. I think. Yeah, fair enough. I'm fine with that. And uh, as far as like uh, having more stand up comedians or magicians or whatever, like p- the Penn and Teller days. I actually kind of like that idea. Like, that's something that they haven't done that in in forever. Yeah, that's that's really going back to when it was more of a true variety show. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a little of that if it was like a cool performer like Penn and Teller. I know, like, they had Andy Kaufman on the very first episode. I know uh, Joel Hoxson from uh, MST3K. He performed on SNL back in uh, the eighties. Yeah, wasn't Harry was like- uh, Harry Anderson as well? Yeah, I'm, I believe Harry Anderson did do a thing. And yeah, there's, there's a great classic Penn & Teller bit where they're performing on SNL. And then at the very end of the bit, we realize that they've been hanging upside down on the ceiling. Oh, I love um, that bit. I love that bit. I mean, it it is incredible. <laughs> you know, and of course, the studio audience was aware, but the audience at home was not. So uh, yeah, a little more of that. That might be fun. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dennis Wilson, I'd also just like to say, love your working with the Beach Boys. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. That's, all right, that's a deep cut. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, I guess that's that's our episode. I, I think the, wow, we're at a 128. We should maybe wrap this baby yep. up. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we're a little under that because we always have like a uh, couple minutes of us uh, BSing before we officially start recording. So ah. we'll be a little under that. Gotcha. All right. So, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're worried, yeah, don't worry. You're not missing out on anything. Yeah, terrific. It's, it's, it's just ramblings and, and, and ramblings. Yeah. The ramblings of two madmen. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. One of which goes a long way, apparently, to one commenter. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry if uh, we were particularly irritating for you. But uh, glad you like the other guy. <laughs> I, I just, I, I kind of love that. It's like, overall, as a duo, I like him. I, I'm not too nuts about one of them, but as a duo, they're good. We'll take that. We'll take that. We'll yeah. take that. We'll <laughs> take it. We're not proud. Boy. All right. So, uh, yeah, and that's our show, guys. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, I guess uh, next week, what are we we doing next week? Uh, What are we doing next week? We talked about uh, there's a documentary about uh, Daryl Hammond that's on some streaming service or another. You you were wanting us to check that out? Yes. uh, On uh, Netflix, there's a Daryl Hammond documentary called uh, Cracked Up. So we'll, we'll we'll be chatting about that. Let's let's do that. I'm I'm in the mood for a good documentary. So, uh, and I'm I'm sure there'll be lots of interesting stuff to talk about there. Um, but uh, until then, if you want to 
follow us as a duo where apparently we're the most palatable <laughs> on Twitter, uh, the SNL nerds account at SNL nerds show. And you can also follow us on our individual Twitter accounts where you can just, you can just follow the one that you like. Uh, you can follow me if I'm the one you like at Trumbull comic. That's T R U M B U L L and the word comic. And if I'm the one you like, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, play favorites. We don't we don't really keep track who's following both of us, so we'll <laughs> never know. <laughs> you can DM us and be like, I like you more. You're the one I really like. That other guy's lame. <laughs> He's so bad. You're so cool. Yeah, you're so much funnier than the other guy. <laughs> Your bulbous head is great. <laughs> Another hurtful thing said about us that has stuck with us for months later. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring I didn't mean to bring up these these old wounds. Sorry. No, you said bulbous head. I instantly knew what you were talking about, dude. So it stuck with me would. too. I know you would. I knew you would. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're we're running a we're running a little catalog of all the, all the little blows to our ego. Um, we're making a list. We're making a list. We're checking it twice. Um, we're gonna find out whose head is bulbous or nice. <laughs> nice, very nice. Yeah, but uh, okay, we're just we've obviously long past the point where we're just utterly babbling now. So we're just gonna sign off until we uh, come back next week with uh, cracked up the. Uh, uh, Dale Hammond documentary. Uh, but until then, nerds, nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.